Chapter 13 of Bill the Conqueror by P.G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bill makes a discovery. His long form, draped in a flowered dressing gown, Judson Coker sat breakfasting in the dining room of Number 9 Marmont Mansions, Battersea. A gentle breeze, floating in through the open window, brought pleasant spring scents from the park across the road to blend with the robuster aroma of coffee and fried bacon. Propped up against the coffee-pot was a copy of The New York World, which had arrived that morning by the American mail. The hour was ten-thirty. A strange sense of well-being filled Judson. He took another mouthful of bacon and marveled, as he had been in the habit of marveling lately, how extraordinarily fit he felt these days. It seemed to him that this mystery of his glowing health was one that would interest doctors, achieved, as it had been, in spite of the fact that for nearly two months now he had been deprived of that regular stimulus of alcohol, so highly recommended, indeed insisted upon, by the medical profession. He was in tremendous shape. Why, back in New York, he would have shied like a startled horse, if anyone had suggested that he should wrap himself round half a dozen slices of bacon at daybreak like this. Whereas now he was in two minds whether or not to send out to the kitchen for a further supply. He came to the conclusion that it must be something to do with the London air. It probably possessed curious tonic properties, and having decided definitely that another order of bacon was essential, he went down the passage to the kitchen to put it in commission. When he came back, he found Bill West staring moodily at the laden table. "'Hello, Bill, old man,' said Judson buoyantly. "'Come to join me in a bite. Sit down and draw up a chair.' i mean draw up a chair and sit down a relief expedition is on its way with more food i had my breakfast hours ago said bill with gloomy unresponsiveness haven't you finished yet i want to use the table to write a letter the champagne-like air of london which had brought new youth to judson seemed to have missed bill out when distributing joy and elasticity about the metropolis. For the last few weeks, Bill had been restless and subject to sudden fits of irritability, a fact which had disturbed Judson not a little. Filled as he was nowadays with an almost maudlin benevolence towards all created things, Judson wanted to have smiling faces around him. "'You've all day before you,' he pointed out. Park yourself on a chair and watch me eat. Shan't be long. There's a letter for you in the sitting-room, said Bill, from Alice. Yes, said Judson, with a brother's indifference. He scanned his paper. Listen to this. Broadcasts his love. Sweetheart muffs it. Wellington, Mass., 
miss luella phipps of this city took her ear from her radiophone at just the wrong time last night for she failed to hear her sweetheart's voice in forest hills new york announcing their engagement james j roper of forest hills new york is the lucky man and is a radio expert it occurred to him to let his fiancee hear his voice tell the world the glad tidings of their approaching nuptials why do they print drivel like that said bill sourly don't you think it's rather touching inquired the pollyanna behind the coffee-pot in his sunny mood he was prepared to find heart interest everywhere no oh judson returned to his literary research would match miss bower against men swimmers he proceeded having now meandered on to the sporting page who would it just says would her pals i suppose during the recent six-day swimming carnival miss bower hung up four new world standards and two new american marks what of it judson turned the pages <laughs> here's a good one he said chuckling girl tries to get into a taxi taxi man says i'm engaged that's fine says the girl i hope you'll be very happy <laughs> he gazed wistfully at his companion but bill's face remained coldly unresponsive and judson having now tried him with heart interest sporting gossip and humour gave the thing up and looked at him with concern what's the matter bill old man nothing's the matter oh but there is you've become a regular gloom all the time these days you're acting like a wet sunday in pittsburgh i believe you're sickening for something i'm not how do you know you're not said judson earnestly you've got all the symptoms you're jumpy and restless and you haven't smiled since six weeks ago last wednesday i'll tell you what it is bill old man i'm becoming more and more convinced that we ought to keep a little brandy or some other healing spirit always in the house in case of sickness you are are you i've heard of fellows who were saved from the tomb by a tot of brandy administered at just the right moment dozens of them absolutely snatched from the undertaker's grasp we could keep it in here urged judson in that closet it wouldn't take up any room he scanned bill's forbidding features for a moment with a hope that swiftly ebbed oh very well he said stiffly i was only suggesting it for your own good the second installment of bacon had arrived and he attacked it with an offended aloofness presently having finished his meal he took himself off to the sitting-room and bill clearing a space on the table sat down to write bill's days for writing to alice coker were tuesday and friday to-day was friday 
and it was consequently to compose a letter of love that he was now addressing himself one would have supposed that with such a treat before him his eye would have gleamed with a tender light but no it was dull and fishy and after he had written half a dozen words he stopped and began to chew his pen drearily literary composition can often be a slow and painful process but if there is one occasion when a writer should surely find the golden sentences bubbling up without an effort it is when he is inditing a letter to the girl he loves the fact that for some time it had been getting harder and harder to think of things to fill up the pages on these occasions was beginning to weigh upon bill's spirits impious as it was to entertain even for an instant the supposition that writing letters to alice could have become a bore honesty compelled him to admit that his primary motive in routing judson out of the room at this early hour had been the desire to tackle the task and get it finished and off his mind he ran his fingers through his hair it was no good words would not come what made it all the more strange was the fact that in the earlier days of his sojourn in london he had handled these bi-weekly prose poems with an absolutely inspired ease his pen had started racing the moment he sat down phrases of the most admirable and pulpy sentiment had leaped into his mind so quickly that he could not keep pace with them and stuff that you could have bound up in mauve covers and sold a dozen editions of had cost him practically no effort at all and here he was now without an idea in his head he got up and went into the sitting-room if anything could give him inspiration it would be those twelve photographs of alice that smiled down with such queenly sweetness from the mantelpiece the what-not and the console table he was inspecting the one third from the left on the mantelpiece dully conscious that it was giving him no kick whatever when a grave voice addressed him from the depths of the armchair bill old man bill turned sharply what's the matter now he snapped it was wrong of course of him to speak so curtly to his faithful friend but one cannot deny that he had a certain amount of justification judson was eyeing him with a peculiar and inscrutable expression on his face goggling at him in an indescribable sort of sad leering way that crashed into his nerve centres like a bullet to a man in his condition of irritable despondency the spectacle of judson's face even in its normal state was hard enough to bear with this peculiar expression added it had become intolerable what are you looking at me like that for he demanded judson made no direct reply to the question instead he heaved himself up from his chair and stalking to bill patted him gently on the shoulder then he grasped his hand and shook it 
for a few moments, and finally, having patted him on the shoulder once more, resumed his seat. "'I've got news for you, Bill Man,' he said in a hushed voice. "'What news?' "'Bill, old man,' said Judson solemnly, "'you were wrong just now. Believe me, you were wrong. In the attitude you took up about my suggestion that we should keep a little brandy in the place, I mean. What is this news of yours?' "'Anybody?' said judson is liable to get ill at any moment and every house therefore should have its supply however small of brandy or some other healing spirit always ready so that you can get at it at a moment's notice i've been reading up about brandy bill old man it is employed a great deal medicinally as a food capable of supplying energy in a particularly labile form to the body it is also a very valuable stimulant carminative and hypnotic well i mean that shows you will you stop driveling about brandy and tell me there have been thousands of cases where the sudden breaking of bad news has caused apparently healthy people to keel over and faint and if there hadn't happened to be somebody in the offing with a nip of the right stuff their name would have been mud if you'll give me the money bill o man i'll be only too glad to pop round the corner to a pub and get a pint or two what is this news i heard my father say once that when he got badly hammered in the panic of nineteen o seven no said judson carefully i'm lying to you it wasn't my father it was a pal of his this bimbo was ruined in the panic and he went straight home and opened up a bottle and took a couple of good strong snifters quick and before he knew where he was he was feeling like a two-year-old again and what's more those drinks gave him an inspiration which enabled him to pull half his fortune out of the wreck more than half it's not far to the pub i can get there and back in ten minutes look here said bill tensely if you don't tell me what this news of yours is i'll step on you judson shook his head sadly he seemed to be deploring the headlong impetuosity of youth all right he said if you must have it alice has gone and got engaged to a bird in the steel business with pots of money she asked me to break it to you gently bill stared dumbly the fateful words sank slowly into his consciousness engaged judson nodded a deathbed nod that's right to a fellow in the steel business absolutely in the steel business old man there was a long silence and suddenly bill became aware with a sort of shock that his only clearly defined and recognizable emotion in this stupendous moment was a feeling of intense relief at the thought that now he would not have to finish that letter all the morning it had been pressing on him like some heavy weight and try as he would he could not check a horrible sense of exhilaration he realized dully that it was all wrong to be feeling like this 
it was shameful that a man in his position confronted with the wreck of all his hopes and dreams could find nothing better to do than to stand congratulating himself on having got out of writing a difficult letter besides the letter ought not to have been difficult all the evidence in short appeared to point to one conclusion that he was utterly lacking in the most rudimentary spirituality presently as he stood there trying not to feel gay and light-hearted he perceived that the air of the cokers was behaving in an odd manner judson had risen once more from his chair and now sidling up he was thrusting into bill's hand a sheet of paper as the latter's fingers closed over this he sighed patted him on the shoulder again and began to steal softly towards the door pausing on the threshold he nodded twice with extraordinary solemnity then he slid out it was only after he had been gone some moments that it dawned upon bill that this was judson's idea of handling a delicate situation with gentlemanly tact there are times judson seemed to consider when the strong man prefers to be left to wrestle with his grief alone left thus alone bill endeavoured to carry out his part of the programme he glanced at the document in his hand recognising alice's handwriting he deduced that this must be the letter which had brought the news presumably judson had intended him to read it but what was the use once a man has grasped the essential fact that the girl to whom he was under the impression that he was betrothed has gone and got engaged to birds in the steel business with pots of money treatises on the subject are superfluous he put the letter down on the table unread there now came to him a pleasing theory that seemed to offer an explanation of his strange lack of decent sorrow men who are shot frequently feel no immediate discomfort beyond a dull shock this he came to the conclusion must be what had happened in his case his faculties must have been stunned later on no doubt the agony would commence feeling considerably relieved by this reflection he decided to go out and grapple with his tragedy in the open air dimly remembered novels whose heroes had received the same sort of blow suggested that this was the correct course for one in his position to pursue in those novels he recalled shepherds tending their flocks on the wind-swept hills used to be startled by the swift passing of tall soldierly men with pale drawn faces striding through the storm with mouths set like bars of steel and eyes glittering like flames staring sightlessly out from under the peaks of their caps he put on his shoes and was about to go in search of his hat when suddenly there presented itself the problem of the photographs those twelve photographs what to do with them in the matter of the faithless one's photographs two plans of action are open to the jilted swain he can either lay them up in lavender and live out his lonely life brooding over them as his hair gradually whitens or he can do the strong manly thing and destroy them out of hand it came as a further shock to bill when after five minutes tense thought he decided on the latter course 
to realize how little anguish the prospect caused him he made his decision without a tremor and did the photographs up in a brown paper parcel with as little remorse as a grocer wrapping a pound of tea undoubtedly his faculties must have been stunned it was bill's intention to get rid of these mementos of a dead past somewhere in the great outdoors for over a week now the weather had been too warm for fires which prevented one handy way of disposing of the things and it was obviously impossible for a sensitive man to tear them up and put them in the waste-paper basket where judson would see them bill wanted no jarring comments on his action he was grateful now for the other's indifferent attitude towards all photographs of his sister judson was not an observant young man and the odds were that the novel bareness of the walls and mantelpiece would entirely escape him it is one of the defects of london from the point of view of a man whose heart has just been broken that it is practically devoid of wild spots in which to stride with a sightless stare the nearest thing it seemed to provide to the wind-swept hills was battersea park and thither bill betook himself with his parcel stepping lightly down the passage to the front door in order not to be intercepted by bob the celium who if aware that one of the gang contemplated going for a walk would he knew show a disposition to count himself in and much as bill respected and liked bob he had no wish for his company now the bobs of battersea are not permitted inside the park's exclusive boundaries unless attached to a leash and it seemed to bill scarcely decent that on this supreme occasion he should be hampered by a wriggling dog any moment now the agony might be beginning making solitude essential he tiptoed out and hurried down the stairs it was a lovely morning comment has already been made in these records on the callousness of nature in times of man's distress and it is enough to say that on this occasion nature more than lived up to her reputation it was a day when the most prudent would have left his umbrella at home and bill wandering through the green avenues and listening to the merry cries of children sporting in the sunshine continued to have that peculiar illusion of light-heartedness if he had not known that such a thing was impossible he would have said that his spirits were rising higher and higher every moment the way he jerked his wrist when having reached a spot secluded from human eye he threw the brown paper parcel containing the photographs from him was positively rollicking he heard it flop behind him without a pang and was caracoling gaily on down the path when a shrill voice spoke in his ear hi mister so unexpected was this voice that it had for one brief instant an uncanny effect of being the voice of the brown paper parcel a moment before bill had been convinced that there was not a soul within a hundred yards but it is a peculiarity of the london parks that no spot in them is ever really secluded from the human eye and now there had sprung up apparently through the asphalt a small and grubby girl in a print frock she was trotting towards him her face beaming with helpfulness and good-will 
with her left hand she dragged along a small male relation who in his turn dragged a still smaller male relation with her right she waved the brown paper parcel you dropped this mister bill was a kind-hearted young man and he shrank from wounding the child he took the parcel with as much gratitude as he was able to summon up on the spur of the moment and with a smile a little too mechanical to be really brilliant handed over sixpence as a reward the family melted away bill walked on the episode had had the effect of shaking his nerve and though he passed several deserted nooks which might have been constructed by the london county council with the sole purpose of acting as dumping grounds for the photographs of girls about to marry into the steel business he made no use of them and presently roaming aimlessly he found himself on the edge of a large sheet of water here like alastor on the long chorasmian shore he paused the margin of the pool was fringed with children and dogs the latter held in leash by nurses or tied to benches the nurses exchanged dignified confidences one with another the children sailed toy boats the dogs barked continuously in the trees on a small island in the middle of the water a colony of rooks cawed in raucous competition with the dogs it was a jolly spot but to bill its chief charm lay in the fact that every individual present whether nurse or child or dog or rook appeared to be intensely occupied with his own affairs and consequently in no position to observe and comment upon the strange behaviour of any well-dressed young man who should stroll up and start throwing brown paper parcels into the depths it seemed too good a chance to miss with an abstracted eye on the rooks he sent the parcel spinning through the air and was just turning away humming a careless air when the splash was followed by another of such magnitude that he thought for a moment that the rather stout child who had been trimming the sails of his yacht close by must have fallen in and it is shameful to have to record that the first emotion that came to bill a man with one life saved from drowning already to his credit was a feeling of regret at the prospect of having to go in after the little chump but he had wronged the stout child there he was still safely on the water's edge the creature that had caused the splash was an enormous dog with long black hair and an expression of genial imbecility and was now swimming vigorously out to where the brown paper parcel floated and even as bill looked he snapped it up between two rows of shark-like teeth and started for the shore a moment later he had laid it at bill's feet shaken himself like a shower-bath and was gazing up into his playmate's face his idiot grin urging him as plainly as if he had made a set speech to keep the fun going by throwing the thing in again bill picked up the parcel and hurried away he was now in a mood of acute exasperation it was not the fact that he was quite noticeably wet that infuriated him nor was his indignation due to disapproval of the phenomenon of an unleashed dog where according to the park's clearly printed bylaws, no unleashed dog should have been 
what was gnawing at his vitals was a dull hatred of this brown paper parcel and all it stood for it amazed him now that he could ever have supposed himself in love with alice coker apart from anything else apart altogether from her evil habit of going about marrying birds in the steel business there must be a curse of some sort on a girl whose photographs were so impossible to get rid of it was with all the depression of a eugene arum that he strode from the pond and buried himself in a quiet leafy byway if anything could have soothed bill's mood of raging fury this murmurous lane with its fringe of tall trees in which he now found himself should have done so even more than any of the other nooks through which he had passed that morning it seemed apart from the world of men birds sang in the branches to his left and in the flower-beds to his right bees were buzzing happily it is proof of the shattered state of bill's morale that the solitude of this sylvan retreat did not encourage him at once to drop his parcel he was in the grip of a sort of superstitious coma he had a presentiment that solitary though the place seemed he would not be alone for long and a moment later his presentiment was fulfilled round the bend in the walk concealed until they were almost on him by a large bush came pacing slowly a young couple a man and a girl the girl was trim and pretty but it was the man who arrested bill's attention he was a tall young man with brown eyes and chestnut hair of an aspect rendered vaguely artistic by a long and flowing tie of mauve silk and the thing about him that attracted bill's notice was his oddly familiar look somewhere he felt he had met the fellow before the man looked up and as he did so there came into his face an expression which bill could not interpret it was recognition that was clear enough but it was also something more than recognition if the idea had not been so absurd he would almost have said it was fear the brown eyes widened and a breeze rippling through the chestnut hair he was carrying his hat in his hand gave it a momentary suggestion of standing on end hello said bill he could not place the fellow but it was plain from the other's expression that they must have met hello said the young man huskily nice day said bill the observation seemed to have a reassuring effect on the other it was as if he had expected hostility from bill and was pleasantly relieved by the cordiality of his tone he brightened visibly beautiful he said beautiful 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 each having shot his conversational bolt there followed one of those awkward silences and then bill acting automatically under the influence of a powerful urge proceeding he knew not whence extended his hand here he said briefly and thrusting the brown paper parcel into the other's grasp he walked rapidly away he was conscious as he went of a whirl of mixed emotions but the one that stood out above all the others was a stupendous feeling of relief 
a memory of his boyhood came to him of the time when he had first read stevenson's bottle imp it must have been quite a dozen years ago but he could still recall the exquisite exultation he had felt on reaching the passage where the hero gets rid of the fatal bottle to the drunken sailor it was exactly so that he was feeling now his recent acquaintance might probably would think him mad but the chances were all against him running after him to tell him so and to force the parcel back upon him if he did it would be necessary to take firm steps bill stopped his train of thought had just been jarred violently off the rails by the sudden discovery of the reason why the man's face had been familiar he knew him now and he remembered where it was that they had last seen each other in the garden of holly house wimbledon when he bill had chased him hither thither and round about through the darkness with the intent to do violence upon his person it was the man roderick pike bill smiled grimly roderick pike no there was no likelihood of roderick pike running after him with parcels and then his thoughts began to flow in such a rapid stream that he could not keep up with them the discovery that this man was roderick pike immediately caused him to wonder what on earth he was doing strolling about battersea park with a girl why by all the laws of romance and even decency he should have been brooding forlornly on his vanished fiancee it offended bill to think that a man who has so recently lost flick should be behaving so callously and then his thoughts shot off at another tangent and this time they were such weighty thoughts that he was obliged to sit down on a handy bench to grapple with them flick of course he had never actually forgotten flick for an instant but it was certainly true that his meeting roderick had brought her into his mind with a curious vividness that had all the effect of making her seem like something suddenly remembered flick he could see her now as clearly as if she were standing before him flick happy and smiling flick tired and tearful flick frightened and looking to him for support a whole gallery of flicks each more attractive than the last and quite suddenly as if he had known it all along bill realized that he loved flick of course he was a fool not to have guessed it earlier judson had accused him of being like a wet sunday in pittsburgh quite justly he had been like a wet sunday in pittsburgh and why because the withdrawal of flick from his life had made that life seem so empty and unprofitable this was what had been troubling his spirit all these weeks bill got up he was glowing now with that fervor which comes upon men in their hour of clear vision he felt in his pocket for his pipe the situation was distinctly one that demanded a series of thoughtfully smoked pipes and found that he had left it in the flat it being obviously impossible to think coherently without it he returned home judson that model of tact and delicacy was still out and bill was glad of it he wanted solitude 
he found his pipe where he had left it in the dining-room, beside that scarcely begun letter to Alice Coker, and proceeded to the sitting-room. A Marconigram was lying on the table. Bill opened it, hoping faintly that it might be from Flick, and experienced disappointment on discovering that it was from his uncle Cooley. Uncle Cooley, said the Marconigram, was due to dock at Southampton on the following morning. He hoped that Bill would meet him at the Antiquarians Club in Pall Mall at three in the afternoon. It was news to Bill that Mr. Paradine was on the ocean at all, and his immediate feeling was a regret that he had not more stimulating news to give him of his activities in connection with Mr. Wilfred Slingsby. Yes, on the whole, it was a nuisance that Uncle Cooley had chosen just this time to come over. However, being here, he could not be ignored. Bill came to the conclusion that it would be more respectful, and would make a better impression, if, instead of waiting till three o'clock, he went to Waterloo Station on the morrow and met the boat train. Having made this decision, he sat down and plunged into pleasant, roseate dreams about Flick. End of chapter 13